Good morning. Welcome to Bethany Lutheran in Warren, Oregon. Today is Reformation Sunday, and I'm preaching on John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Prince of Granada, an heir to the Spanish crown, was sentenced to life in solitary confinement in Madrid's ancient prison. The dreadful, dirty, and dreary nature of the place earned the name, the place of the skull. Everyone knew that once you were in, you would never come out alive. The prince was given one book to read the entire time, the Bible. With only one book to read, he read it hundreds and hundreds of times. The book became his constant companion. After 33 years in imprisonment, he died. When they came to clean out his cell, they found some notes he had written using nails to mark the soft stone of the prison walls. The notations were of this sort. Psalm 118 verse 8 is the middle verse of the Bible. Ezra chapter 7 verse 21 contains all the letters of the alphabet except the letter J. The ninth verse of the eighth chapter of Esther is the longest verse in the Bible. No word or name more than six syllables can be found in the Bible. Now, this individual spent 33 years of his life studying what some have described as the greatest book of all time. Yet he could only glean trivia. From all we know, he never made any religious or spiritual commitment to Christ. He simply became an expert at Bible trivia. We are in a time in history when too many people are afraid to make a commitment of any kind. People hop from one job to another, expecting to hold six to ten different positions through the typical 40 years of a working life. These days, people have no idea what a mortgage-burning party is, when they purchase a home, they have no intention of keeping it long enough to pay off the mortgage. People no longer want to make the commitment of a marriage contract. They simply have partners, and they change partners more frequently than I rotate my tires. Recently, I heard of several businesses who on any given day do not have enough employees show up on their scheduled shift to be able to open their doors and conduct the business of the day. No commitment. 
and do not expect a person to make a spiritual commitment. We are told that one should follow your heart. So people purchase Joel Osteen's books by the millions and consider Oprah Winfrey to be a prophetess. Well, I say thanks be to God that he made a commitment to us. He committed to love us even when we do not love him. He promised to never leave or forsake us. When we are done wandering around looking for a better offer, we find our Holy Father in the same spot waiting for our return. God committed to forgive us 70 times, seven times, even as we refuse to do the same for our brother or neighbor. God committed to forgive us, to redeem us from our sins that we have done and those we have yet to do. And he sealed that promise, that commitment in the blood of his son, Christ Jesus. And what is expected of us? Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. People seem to know that human life needs to be put right. The Buddhist tries to do it through ascetic living. The Muslim by rigorous adherence to the Sharia law. The Jew by obeying the Torah law. The Mormon by a legalistic subculture. And the fundamentalist and charismatics by doing this, not doing that, having this gift, and so on and so on. But all know that human life needs to be put right. By nature, we seem to crave self-enhancement and justification. But self-justification does not cut it. We cannot reach spiritual freedom on our own. So Jesus dealt with it. Justifying us once and for all, bearing our sins in his body and nailing them to the cross. If you abide in his word, if you stand on his word, if you listen to him, read his Bible, study his game plan for you. If you live according to his life plan for you, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We will know the truth and that truth can be bad news. The truth tells us that we are captive to sin and that we have to be set free and we cannot do it by ourselves. Verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. In Romans 3.23, Paul reminds us there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The truth is that we are ruled by sin. Greed, pride, fear, apathy, hatred, envy, pick your favorite, we all have one. On our own, we are captive to sin. We will know the truth, and that truth also can be good news. The gospel truth is a freeing truth. We need help, but we do not need another superhero. 
We need a super God, and we have a super God. We have a God who gifted us with enough grace to break the bonds of sin and set us free. We cannot get life right. We cannot save this world. We cannot even save ourselves. But we do not have to get it right because Jesus did it for us. We can live confidently, freely, filled with love and joy and peace and hope. And so we celebrate the Reformation when a monk and priest named Martin Luther was set free by the truth, when his eyes were opened to the grace he found in the book of Romans. All are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. However, to live in freedom, Jesus says, we must abide in his word. To abide in his word, we must read his word, study it, pray with it, strive to live by it. The word will keep us grounded in the truth in Christ Jesus. Studies have shown that if you blindfold a man and ask him to walk in a straight line, he will start out well, but will soon begin to turn one way or another, looping around in ever-tightening circles. It is a phenomenon that has been demonstrated over and over again. Without a fixed reference point, we cannot keep a straight line. The strange thing is that it feels like we are walking a straight line, but we begin to loop and curve erratically without ever knowing it. We need a fixed point to walk a straight line. Robert Culwich for NPR observes, without a corrective, our insides take over and there is something inside that won't stay straight. God's word is that fixed point for our souls. Its truths are fixed. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Psalm 119, verse 89. Thus, it gives us a safe and accurate reference point for our lives. A person who rejects God's word as the source of truth may feel like they are on the right road, they're going straight, but inevitably they go astray. Proverbs 14, 12 says that there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Jesus did not point people to the fixed point. He claimed to be the fixed point. Jesus did not say, I know the truth, or I can point you to the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the sun by which we navigate our lives, the star by which we guide our path. He is our fixed point. 
Hebrews 12, 2a states, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When we do, we stay grounded in the truth of the gospel, the truth that sets us free. Free to live among God's faithful people, to hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed, and to serve all people following the example of Jesus. That is the truth. Amen. Thank you.